Modern World History Patterns of Interaction Chapter 5, Section 3 Central European Monarchs Clash Setting the Stage For a brief while, the German rulers appeared to have settled their religious differences through the Peace of Augsburg, 1555. They had agreed that the faith of each prince would determine the religion of his subjects. Churches in Germany could either be Lutheran or Catholic, but not Calvinist. The peace was short-lived soon to be replaced by a long war. After the Peace of Augsburg, the Catholic and Lutheran princes of Germany watched each other suspiciously. The Thirty Years' War Both the Lutheran and Catholic princes tried to gain followers. In addition, both sides felt threatened by Calvinism, which was spreading in Germany and gaining many followers. As tension mounted, the Lutherans joined together in the Protestant Union in 1608. The following year, the Catholic princes formed the Catholic League. Now, it would take only a spark to set off a war. Bohemian Protestant Revolt The spark came in 1618. The future Holy Roman Emperor, Ferdinand II, was the head of the Habsburg family. As such, he ruled the Czech Kingdom of Bohemia. The Protestants in Bohemia did not trust Ferdinand, who was a foreigner and a Catholic. When he closed some Protestant churches, the Protestants revolted. Ferdinand sent an army into Bohemia to crush the revolt. Several German Protestant princes took this challenge, or this chance, to challenge their Catholic emperor. Thus began the Thirty Years' War, a conflict over religion and territory and for power among European ruling families. The war can be divided into two main phases— the phase of Habsburg triumphs, and the phase of Habsburg defeats. Habsburg triumphs. The Thirty Years' War lasted from 1618 to 1648. During the first 12 years, Habsburg armies from Austria and Spain crushed the troops hired by the Protestant princes. They succeeded in putting down the Czech uprising. They also defeated the German Protestants who had supported the Czechs. Ferdinand II paid his army of 125,000 men by allowing them to plunder or rob German villages. This huge army destroyed everything in its path. Habsburg defeats. The Protestant Gustavus Adolphus of Sweden and his disciplined army of 23,000 shifted the tide of war in 1630. They drove the Habsburg's armies out of northern Germany. However, Gustavus Adolphus was killed in battle in 1632. Cardinal Richelieu and Cardinal Mazarin of France dominated the remaining years of the war. Although Catholic, these two cardinals feared the Habsburgs more than the Protestants. They did not want another European ruler to have as much power as the French king. Therefore, in 1635, Richelieu sent French troops to join the German and Swedish Protestants in their struggle against Habsburg armies. Peace of Westphalia. The war did great damage to Germany. Its population dropped from 20 million to about 16 million. Both trade and agriculture were disrupted, and Germany's economy was ruined. Germany had, long, had a long, difficult recovery from this devastation. That is a major reason why it did not become a unified state until the 1800s.
The Peace of Westphalia, 1648, ended the war. The treaty had these important consequences. 1. Weaken the Habsburg states of Spain and Austria. 2. Strengthen France by awarding its German territory. 3. Made German princes independent of the Holy Roman Emperor. 4. Ended religious wars in Europe. 5. Introduced a new method of peace negotiation, whereby all participants met to settle the problem of a war and decide the terms of peace. This method is still used today. Beginning of Modern States The treaty thus abandoned the idea of a Catholic empire that would rule most of Europe. It recognized Europe as a group of equal, independent states. This marked the beginning of the modern state system and was the most important result of the Thirty Years' War. States form in Central Europe Strong states formed more slowly in Central Europe than in Western Europe. The major powers of this region were the Kingdom of Poland, the Holy Roman Empire, and the Ottoman Empire. None of them was very strong in the mid-1600s. Economic Contrast with the West One reason for this is that the economy of Central Europe developed differently from that of Western Europe. During the late Middle Ages, serfs in Western Europe slowly won freedom and moved to towns. There, they joined middle-class townspeople who gained economic power because of the commercial revolution and the development of capitalism. By contrast, the land-owning aristocracy in Central Europe passed laws restricting the ability of serfs to gain freedom and move to cities. These nobles wanted to keep the serfs on the land where they could produce large harvests. The nobles could then sell the surplus crops to Western European cities at a great profit. Several Weak Empires The landowning nobles in Central Europe not only held down the serfs, but also blocked the development of strong kings. For example, the Polish nobility elected the Polish king and sharply limited his power. They allowed the king little income, no law courts, no standing army. As a result, there was not a strong ruler who could form a unified state. The two empires of Central Europe were also weak. Although Suleiman the Magnificent had conquered Hungary and threatened Vienna in 1529, the Ottoman Empire could not take its European conquest any further. From then on, the Ottoman Empire declined from its peak of power. In addition, the Holy Roman Empire was seriously weakened by the Thirty Years' War. No longer able to command the obedience of the German states, the Holy Roman Empire had no real power. These old, weakened empires and kingdoms left a power vacuum in Central Europe. In the late 1600s, two German-speaking families decided to fill this vacuum by becoming absolute rulers themselves. Austria grows stronger. One of these families was the Habsburgs of Austria. The Austrian Habsburgs took several steps to become absolute monarchs. First, during the Thirty Years' War, they reconquered Bohemia. The Habsburgs wiped out the Protestants there and created a new Czech nobility that pledged loyalty to them. Second, after the war, the Habsburg rulers centralized the government and created a standing army. Third, by 1699, the Habsburgs had retaken Hungary from the Ottoman Empire. In 1711, Charles VI became Habsburg ruler. Charles's empire was a difficult one to rule, 
Within its borders lived a diverse assortment of people, Czechs, Hungarians, Italians, Croatians, and Germans. Only the fact that one Habsburg ruler wore the Austrian, Hungarian, and Bohemian crowns kept the empire together. Maria Teresa inherits the Austrian throne. How could the Habsburgs make sure that they continue to rule all those lands? Charles VI spent his entire reign working out an answer to this problem. With endless arm twisting, he persuaded other leaders of Europe to sign an agreement that declared they would recognize Charles's eldest daughter as the heir to all his Habsburg territories. That heir was a young woman named Maria Teresa. In theory, this agreement guaranteed Maria Teresa a peaceful reign. Instead, she faced years of war. Her main enemy was Prussia, a state to the north of Austria. Prussia challenges Austria. Like Austria, Prussia rose to power in the late 1600s. Like the Habsburgs of Austria, Prussia's ruling family, the Hohenzollerns, also had ambitions. Those ambitions threatened to upset Central Europe's delicate balance of power. The Rise of Prussia The Hohenzollerns built up their state from a number of small holdings, beginning with the German states of Brandenburg and Prussia. In 1640, a 20-year-old Hohenzollern named Frederick William inherited the title of Elector of Brandenburg. After seeing the destruction of the Thirty Years' War, Frederick William, later known as the Great Elector, decided that having a strong army was the only way to ensure safety. To protect their lands, the Great Elector and his descendants moved towards absolute monarchy. They created a standing army, the best in Europe. They built it to a force of 80,000 men. To pay for the army, they introduced permanent taxation. Beginning with the Great Elector's son, they called themselves kings. They also weakened the representative assemblies of their territories. Prussia's landowning nobility, the Junkers, resisted the king's growing power. However, in, in the early 1700s, King Frederick William I bought their cooperation. He gave the Junkers the exclusive right to be officers in his army. As a result, Prussia became a rigidly controlled, highly militarized society. Frederick the Great Frederick William worried that his son, Frederick, was not military enough to rule. The prince loved music, philosophy, and poetry. In 1730, when he and a friend tried to run away, they were caught. To punish Frederick, the king ordered him to witness his friend's beheading. Despite such bitter memories, Frederick II, known as Frederick the Great, followed his father's military policies when he came to power. However, he also softened some of his father's laws. With regard to domestic affairs, he encouraged religious toleration and legal reform. According to his theory of government, Frederick believed that the ruler should be like a father to his people. Quote, a prince is only the first servant of the state, who is obliged to act with probity and prudence. As the sovereign is properly the head of a family of citizens, the father of his people, he ought on all occasions to be the last refuge of the unfortunate. End quote. The War of Austrian Secession In 1740, Maria Teresa succeeded her father, just five months after Frederick II became King of Prussia. Frederick wanted the Austrian land of Silesia. 
which bordered Prussia. Silesia produced iron ore, textiles, and food products. Frederick underestimated that Maria Teresa's strength. He assumed that because she was a woman, she would not be forceful enough to defend her lands. In 1740, he sent an army to occupy Silesia, beginning the War of Austrian Secession. Even though Maria Teresa had recently given birth, she journeyed to Hungary. There she held her infant in her arms as she asked the Hungarian nobles for aid. Even though the nobles resented their Habsburg rulers, they pledged to give Maria Teresa an army. Great Britain, Great Britain also joined Austria to fight its longtime enemy, France, which was Prussia's ally. Although Maria Teresa did not stop Prussia's aggression, she lost Silesia in the Treaty of Aix-la-Chapelle in 1748. With the acquisition of Silesia, Prussia became a major European power. The Seven Years' War Maria Teresa decided that the French kings were no longer Austria's chief enemies. She made an alliance with them. The result was a diplomatic revolution. When Frederick heard of her actions, he signed a treaty with Britain, Austria's former ally. Now Austria, France, Russia, and others were allied against Britain and Prussia. Not only had Austria and Prussia switched allies, but for the first time Russia was playing a role as a, uh, in European affairs. In 1756, Frederick attacked Saxony, an Austrian ally. Soon every great European power was involved in the war. Fought in Europe, India, and North America, the war lasted until 1763. It was called the Seven Years' War. The war did not change the territorial situation in Europe. It was a different story on other continents. Both France and Britain had colonies in North America and the West Indies. Both were competing economically in India. The British emerged as the real victors of the Seven Years' War. France lost its colonies in North America, and Britain gained sole economic domination of India. This set the stage for further British expansion in India in the 1800s, as you will see in Chapter 11.